with the rise of technology, robotics, the internet, everything is accelerating so quickly. We have to, we really have to change the paradigm where, okay, I, you know, I come out of high school, go get that degree. And even if I'm like you, as you pointed out, if I'm able to finish it, well, then that's it. I, that's all I, I know I need to do for the rest of my life. Well, no, in, in fact, not even, no, it changes too much. Like things are, there are 35, it's estimated about 35 to 40 million people out there who are just like you, where they want to uh, upskill, they want to get additional education, they've been out there in the workforce, they didn't get their degree, and they want to go back, but they're not taking that first step. And that to me was the tragedy and the opportunity. I said, how could we help those people because that is a real problem and obviously something in the system is broken that is not enabling people to do that welcome to men of abundance the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community living a life of integrity honor and the abundance mentality prepare to pay it forward with your host former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur wally carmichael What's up? What's up, Men of Abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance in family, faith, finance, and fitness on your way to having more. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about education. I truly enjoy learning new things every single day, which is part of the reason why I really enjoy these conversations, because I learn something from every single experience, just like I do when I travel, just like I do when I get the opportunity to talk with a new business owner in a different industry I've never worked with before. I have to say, though, I'm not a big fan of traditional education for everyone, But this conversation today that I have in store for you, wow, this is a game changer. So settle in, do what you can to eliminate distractions, and pay close attention to this one. And be sure to pay it forward. Be abundant in your actions today by paying it forward and sharing this conversation and men of abundance in general with others in your circle. I promise you, they will thank you. One other cool thing to do. This is just really fun and cool to do. Take a screenshot of your phone or take a picture of your screen wherever you're listening to this at and post it on your favorite social media platform. Hashtag men of abundance and tag me. Tag me. I'm on every single platform out there to include TikTok. I actually have three accounts on TikTok, if you can believe it. One, Wally Carmichael, one, Men of Abundance, and one, Business Owner Growth. So look up each of those. I don't post a lot of content, to be honest with you. I just like to look at a lot of stuff and learn from other people. Hence, the reason why I said I like to learn from many different people many different platforms. But be sure to share Men of Abundance and hashtag Men of Abundance and tag me wherever you can find me on social media. Now, let me introduce our amazing featured guest today. He founded OnlineDegree.com. Make sure you go check out OnlineDegree.com. He founded it with a purpose-driven mission to make higher education more accessible and affordable for everyone. After graduating college with an overwhelming amount of debt, he was determined to change how students embark on their college education. He has spent his entire career working in startups with nearly 15 years of experience. 
He has been a board member and donor to a number of nonprofits and advisor to many publicly traded companies, including Wiley Education and a guest speaker at seminars and graduate school courses. He graduated with honors from the University of California, Irvine, in economics. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Grant Aldrich. Grant, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Wally. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm glad we could finally get everything uh, aligned and get our schedules online and uh, everything seems to be working out so far. Which I'm, which thank you is mostly my fault. Um, I had a, uh, a a son recently, and that's kind of thrown everything off, <laughs> predictably. Well, the way I see it, man, family first always. Uh, that's just that's the right. way I live my life, and I expect it from everybody else around me. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I I, uh, I think if more people uh, took that philosophy, we'd be uh, we'd be in a much better world. Well, I'm I'm you know wanted to say that I was not that guy. <laughs> When I was younger, I was not. I was I was 100% dedicated to my craft of of uh, being an army medic, and then you know going out afterwards and making a million bucks with some sort of multi-level marketing company or or something that I was doing at the time. It was always about making the extra buck so I could provide this amazing lifestyle for my family, and I wasn't even there with them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I I completely relate. Yeah. So where are you at in the world? So I am right now in Los Angeles, California, uh, visiting some family, but uh, I'm based in Las Vegas. Oh, really? Well, I've been to both of those places. Um, I, I'm originally from Phoenix, but I, I've gone down to Vegas a couple of times and did some work in L.A. and just hung around there when I was a kid a little bit, but hadn't been there in years. You know, I'll tell you, I'm from the Southern California area, and it's just changed so much for the worse, um, mm-hmm. even in my lifetime. I'm, I'm almost 40. And... Sadly, I think that you know that it's really not coming back. You read all the stories about you know the exodus from California, and I think there's also a misconception about you know Vegas being mm-hmm. just this you know coarse sinful party town. Oh, yeah. But there's a lot of families out there, and there's a lot to mm-hmm. do with families. It's great. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I have. I'm telling you, I uh, when I used to I used to work and deliver. I used to build windows and stuff. And um, hold on a second. All right, I'm going to start over. Yeah, I'll tell you, when I was down in Vegas, I have some friends that live in Vegas too. And a lot of the people I know that live in Vegas, I'm sure you're exactly the same way. They hardly ever get down to the Strip. There's a lot more to Vegas than just the Strip, which they refer to it as. I don't know if locals refer to it as the Strip, but that's what I know it as. No, they do. And you're right. Most locals, they don't go to the Strip unless there's some, you know, extraneous circumstance. And we all kind of look at it the same way, that it pays for this awesome lifestyle mm-hmm. we all get. So it's for the tourists. One hundred percent. I lived in Hawaii for 10 years and Waikiki is absolutely beautiful. The rest of Hawaii doesn't get the attention from the, you know, for the road systems and all that kind of stuff as the tourist area does. Uh, so I, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to start out with an attitude of gratitude, man. I mean, we were talking before we got started here. I know you have a lot to be grateful for right now, but I'm not going to put any words in your mouth. What do you have to be grateful for today? Well, I think we touched on it. I mean, to me, the the, the foremost important thing in my life is family. So I uh, I just had my third son. So I've got three boys under three and a half. And, you know, I, I had a very... Um, 
Well, I had an event that was very jarring, um, and I can touch on a bit, that really had me change my perspective in life um, about four years ago. And this was when my uh, wife was pregnant with our first son. And at that point, I, I really just realized how important and how, well, how limited our time is in this world and how most of the things that we focus on that we feel important are very trivial and not really important. Mm-hmm. And when you boil it down, if you if you if you get into the mindset of thinking, what am I going to think at my deathbed that's going to make me happy that I'm going to be proud of? It really focuses on those relationships with family. One hundred percent. Yeah, I've read multiple books, and I know some of the listeners have too. And if you haven't, just research it. I don't know any off the top of my head, quite frankly, but I have read many articles, many books touching on just that. People interviewing. Uh, men and women on their deathbed and none of them ever said i wish i would have spent more time in the office or <laughs> anything of that nature you know what i'm saying right. their their biggest regrets were relation were relationship based or that even experiences you know traveling to certain places of the world and stuff like that that makes complete sense to me yeah it it is a neat it's it's well it's a little dark to think of it in that um you know in that kind of a way. But you're right. I love it because what it does is it does put you in a position to say, well, look, I'm, I'm thinking about the end. And you're right. Am mm-hmm. I really going to care that I didn't spend more time in the office? No. You, you What would crush you is if you've got a, a child you don't speak with or a brother you don't speak with. Or like you said, I never got to go to, you know, climb Mount Everest. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's something really interesting. You want to get kind of, it's it's really kind of dark, but it's really neat is I talked to a guy one time and he would do him and his wife, they would just randomly say today's terminal day. And what that means is one of them is going to die that day. What are we going to do? And literally they would like jump on a plane you know, they got the resources for it. But you didn't have to do that. You could go watch, you know, three ditch work and go watch three back-to-back movies at the movie theater or something of that nature, you know, or go sit in the park with a lunch. You know, it's it's the idea of, the, of it was just to do something completely spontaneous that you haven't done yet uh, with the people that you love. Oh, I love that. You're right. It is a little dark, but at the same time, <laughs> it's... It, that's reality. Yeah. I mean, we don't we, we we convince ourselves it's not, but mm-hmm. it is. And to and to have those moments, I bet they're going to look back and they. Pro- I don't know how many times they've done that, but I'll make up a number. Let's say they've done that twenty times, you know, and mm-hmm. they're they probably will remember those days the most of 100%. any other ones that there were. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I do too. It's really it's really cool, and we just do crazy things all the time anyway. So, you know. Before I got started here, we talked. I talked a little bit about your bio. That's more about what you do professionally. But here on Men of Abundance, we like to get to know the man behind the abundance. So if you would, how would you describe yourself? Wow. Um, you know, I would describe – I'm. I, I. some of the things that I self-identify with is, you know, we kind of touched on one, which is being a dad. I, I, I didn't know I would love that. It's just I've, – I've, it's just – it's been a – now it's, it's such an inseparable part of my personality. But – Past that, I'm an entrepreneur, and I've I've ever since I was a kid, I came from a family of basically bureaucrats who were teachers. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, and and I and I and I I love it, and I'm always I surround myself with entrepreneurs because I, I relate with them so well, and it was all about the freedom, and to me that's what's so important, and you know even if a, even as a young kid, I didn't even know what I would do with that freedom, but I knew that's what I wanted. So I really feel that that's a big part that I identify with. And 
And then I would say the second piece is a, a lifelong pursuit of truth. To me, I, I'm always, I'm lucky and I feel that I've got a curiosity to fetter out what I believe is like truth in the world. So whether it's about my health or whether it's about, um, you know, uh, whatever that philosophy is, politics, you know, learning, you, we can go down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But I think those are the two things that, or the three things with being a father that really guide me. Yeah, I like that. So what do you think it is that, that makes you have the entrepreneurial mindset when you were brought up by those who, for all intents and purposes, really were not? It's a good question. I have no idea. I guess that, because I've, I've asked myself that, I haven't really been able to put my finger precisely on on what what I saw in that life that made me not want the path my, my parents took, right? Because my parents took a very you know, um, in, an interesting life. They were both, my dad was in the military and my parents were both teachers. So then after my dad, uh, my dad went to the reserves, uh, and then became a teacher as well. And when you grow up in a family with two teachers, it's, it's a weird existence. One, you know, you don't ever feel that you're going to be on the street one day because, you know, those jobs are government jobs and they provide some stability that comes with that, but you're never going to be wealthy either. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at that, that I think that, you know, we were we were very comfortable, but I didn't get to see them all the time, even though I got to see them more than a typical job from a parent. And I, I think I felt that, you know, they were never able to break free of that mold of living, you know, uh, to the maxing out their expenses and not really being able to do whatever they wanted and saying, you know, there, there has to be a better way than this. Yeah. Did So do you, did you have any guidance or any other mentors outside of your family that was entrepreneurship that was entrepreneurial mindset i did luckily one of my my first mentors was one of our family friends who um i mean it's such an amazing story he came up from nothing and uh was it created a a consulting company that eventually just blew up and would be sold for, um, you know, nine figures, multi-million dollar deal. And he, and he was just always so grounded and insightful through the whole process. And I learned so much from him because you're right. If you have parents who are teachers, you don't learn a lot of the things that you may need in the business world. Um, you know, because they don't, you know, they don't necessarily, because I mean, you would appreciate this in the business world. You have to know how to provide, create value mm-hmm. and you don't have to know in the marketplace, you have to know lots of these little things about, you know, um, uh, you know, managing your expenses to start a business where he was really the person I observed to learn all those things. Hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking about that and I, I figured you had to have some sort of influence in that regard because, um, one, I know some school teachers that were school teachers. And now they're full on entrepreneurs. They have the flip lifestyle uh, podcast and, you know, coaching and stuff like that and teaching others how to break free from all that because they were full on school teachers and they had a pretty ser- significant event that happened in their life that made them get away from that whole um, industry. Uh, but, um, you know, they're doing very well. But then more importantly, I was really thinking about Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that his dad was, you know, the top, I think he was the, what do you call it, the Secretary of Education? I don't know, some something in the government where he worked with the education system in Hawaii. And right. he had his rich dad, who was his influence 
uh, and was a business owner and owned multiple businesses around and, you know, real estate and all this other kind of stuff. So generally that's the case is some sort of influence to give you some reference to go, that's what I want to do. <laughs> that's, that's the lifestyle I want to have and not as much as the industry, right? Yeah, actually, uh, you, you, you brought up a, uh, you know, great, you know, great example of that. You know, I didn't have that, that rich dad, poor dad, um, you know, not, not, they weren't explicitly, you know, father in, in, in Robert Kiyosaki's case. But in the same way, I almost had those, I identified those different personalities with my parents versus, you know, my, my mentor. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, my, my parents did, I think, a very good job in terms of taking what would have been a middle class career and doing very well for themselves by investing in real estate and doing it. So I did learn a lot of really interesting things from them. But you're right that they didn't exhibit all of the rich dad qualities mm-hmm. that, uh, like he pointed on his book, other than what my mentor did. And I think that those things, those are the things I was drawn to, even at a young age. Right. Yeah. And then you brought up some other very good points, and that the different um, skill sets and and even mindset that entrepreneurs have to have. I've learned over the years that an entrepreneur mindset is a lot different than a business mindset. It doesn't necessarily an entrepreneur mindset doesn't necessarily mean they have business skills, which is why I've discovered so many businesses tend to fail because they get what I think it's um Michael Gerber who wrote Emeth basically says you get the entrepreneur um seizure and then you start your own business around a something you think you have skills in, but then you realize or most don't even realize they don't have business skills, but they don't understand why their business is failing because they're not applying the business skills that they don't know or have. This is really interesting that you're bringing this up. I agree. You know, one of the things, and I can, you know, one story for myself I can relate with. So, you know, growing up in a military family, I always wanted to be a soldier. So for the, for the, for the, you know, for the time I was a little kid, you know, you see the earliest photos of me, I'm playing with fatigues. I would go with my dad to the lo- the base here locally. It would, it would be a lot of fun for me. And I remember that, you know, breaking free, cause the soldier mindset makes you successful on the battlefield. And of course there's a lot of qualities, you know, um, self-discipline and all these wonderful things that come with being a soldier that you can apply to business. But I always think it's interesting that there you you read because obviously philosophy is a good is a big important thing when you approach a business and you know one of the philosophies out there is that you know you treat it like war and I, and i'm thinking you know that to me is such a misconception and that would be like when where one aspect is not true it's not no it's not a battlefield if you're a soldier that's a battlefield and that's what's going to make you better than let's say an entrepreneur in one sense but on in in as an entrepreneur you have to create value. You have to be. You have to make people happy. Like it's a completely different mindset. Mm-hmm. And so, to your point, I think that you could get caught up in if you grew up in that family that you have to really mentally reconfigure your brain. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and being a retired army medic, twenty four years in service, I can one hundred percent agree with that. Especially being associated with so many veteran. Um, Vet, veteranpreneurs, veteranpreneurs, uh, veterans who are entrepreneurs, because a lot of them want to keep that battlefield mentality, and they use that even in their mission statements and whatnot. And I just find it kind of weird. And I don't know. It, I, I totally get your point on that. But and and then, but a lot of veterans do make very good entrepreneurs because they have that discipline, they have the leadership, but they still need to learn those you know, um, uh, 
profit and loss statements. Many of them don't know anything about accounting of any sort, let alone business accounting or, you know, profits and losses and supply and demand and marketing and all the other things that go along with it. They don't even know enough to ask the right questions. Oh, you're right. Yeah, there's so many qualities that make a veteran a great business person. You know, one, being being in the military and you're just your demeanor is charming. Right. It's so charming to speak with someone and, and they respond to you. Yes, sir. Or yes, mm-hmm. ma'am. Right. Little things like that. Incredibly charming. And at the end of the day, so much of what makes you successful in business is your likability mm-hmm. and have people enjoy being with you. And that's likable. But I think you're right. I think that despite all of these wonderful um, you know, uh, traits and things that you take away from the military, that, yeah, one of the things that can be a, hang, a hang up is, your, is that battlefield mentality mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I like to get into here is that kick in the gut moment. And the reason why I bring this up is because, you know, regardless of where we're at in life, we are always going to have these kick in the gut moments. Everybody has them. It's what you do with that information that really sometimes changes the trajectory of your life, but sometimes makes you see life in a completely different way. And you just deal with things easier. So if you would share with us a kick in the gut moment and really make us feel that. Yeah, I've got a really big one. So I alluded to earlier. So let me set the scene for you. Uh, it's, It's 2016. And in 2015, I had the best year of my life. In that year, I exited my startup company that I'd started in my early 20s, took eight years to do it. And I, we sold to a uh, publicly traded company. Um, it, I, w- I got married to the love of my life. And we got, uh, my wife became pregnant with our first son. So 2015 was the banner year, the, the arguably the greatest year of my life to that point. So going into 2016, uh, we were uh, up in Northern California at a beach and I almost drowned. And what's so painful about that moment is that I was in the water and I was during a surf advisory when I should have known better. And I got caught and I was looking at the beach, assuming it was the end, at looking at my wife on the beach and with my mother-in-law and thinking that was it at that moment. And by sheer miracle, I was able to kind of provide one last fight to swim out of it. And I'm a decent swimmer, but not a great swimmer. Uh, get my foot up on a sandbar and was able to come out and you know a short ambulance and uh, hospital stay later with all the water I ingested um, I sat there and reflected on what happened and how fragile this all truly is and what and the reason it was so why it became that kick in the gut moment was because prior to that I had a very different vision of what I was going to do moving forward I thought okay wow I'd finally seen some success I was going to, um, with, I mean, in terms of my, my career, I'm going to go bigger. I want more employees. I want a bigger company. I want to make more money. Like all of these things that had completely strayed from my initial childhood dream of freedom. And as I sat there and reflected on this and I, I was lucky, I had a period of introspection for about six months. I decided I didn't want any of that. I really tried to, to, to have that time to look into myself and said, you know, what do you want? What's going to make you happy? And I, I decided, again, I don't want any of it. I completely changed paths. Hmm. And how did you change that path? Let's get into that. Where did you take that? What did you do with that information? Yeah, well, the first thing I identified was that I wanted to be present for my, for my children's 
um, lives. So very similar to what to, for what you discussed was that, you know, what's the point of doing this if you're not going to be there to enjoy it or be there for them? You know, it's, it's hard. I mean, everybody knows being a parent is hard. And if you're not going to get the benefit from it, and if you're not going to do it well, you know, why do it at all? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be there for it. So I, I didn't want to have, you know, I didn't want to drive into an office every day. So my time became very valuable. And the second piece was I wanted to do something that I cared about. So my previous life, we were working in pharmaceuticals. Um, it was a startup that worked in that space. And, you know, I, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I didn't love doing what I do every day. I didn't like go into work like so excited to um, to help pharmaceutical companies um, where I wanted to do something that was I truly cared about, where I would really be able to help people make a difference in the world, do something grand. So that was the transition in my, my mindset. Well, yeah. And <laughs> I totally get that, man. I'm just like daydreaming on the whole process when I finally had an epiphany and, and li- I mean, literally sitting on the beach in Hawaii when it when it hit me that I am living an amazing life and I'm just not taking the time to enjoy it the way I should be and actually be grateful and uh, the way I should have been. So, yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. So now what you're doing is really intriguing for me because we were talking before we got on here about education and the importance of education, but also the struggles of getting a a college education for so many people, not just financially, but time-wise as well. Because I saw a statistic statistic just recently that I think it was like 60% of people who graduate high school, and these numbers are, you know, you take them for what they're worth, but 60% who graduate high school go on to college. The other 30% don't have any any skills to build on because this whole article was around bringing back the skills um, to um, to high school and to middle school. Uh, one of my top, the blue collar skills type of, you know, electricians and stuff like that. But even those 60%, only about 40% of them actually graduate first time go. Many of them end up quitting and then going back later like I did. I didn't get my bachelor's degree till I was 43 and I did it all online. So that's what intrigued me so much about what it is that you're doing. So let's talk about that a little bit. How'd you get into that? And we're going to talk about what it's doing for other people. Well, you're totally right. You know, the, 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 the world has changed dramatically from what we, even what all of us knew 20 years ago. And with the, with the rise of technology, robotics, the internet, everything is accelerating so quickly. We have to, we really have to change the paradigm where, okay, I, you know, I come out of high school, go get that degree. And even if I'm like you, as you pointed out, if I'm able to finish it, well, then that's it. I, that's all I I know I need to do for the rest of my life. Well, no, in in (laughs) fact, not even. No, it changes too much. Like things are, there are 35, it's estimated about 35 to 40 million people out there who are just like you, where they want to uh, upskill, they want to get additional education. They've been out there in the workforce, they didn't get their degree, and they want to go back, but they're not taking that first step. And that to me was the tragedy and the opportunity. I said, how could we help those people because that is a real problem and obviously something in the system is broken that is not enabling people to do that mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and to be even more clear when i got my degree the reason why i did it was one because my wife kept pushing me to do it two the money was there for me to do it i was active duty military so when you're on active duty you have tuition assistance 
the army paid for my entire I, I came out with not owing a dime i paid for books once in a while but that was it now books are gosh darn expensive uh just ridiculously right. expensive but nonetheless i didn't come out with any debt even those who don't have the time to go to a, a, a traditional college and be in class and drive across town after work or before work or whatever the case may be or on the weekends and you know giving up that precious time for hopefully a better lifestyle later, which isn't always a guarantee, then they're going to come out with debt on top of it. So it's super frustrating for so many people who do want to further their education, many of them for the purpose of getting a better job or actually getting a raise in their current job. Um, again, it doesn't always happen. My wife and I were literally just having this conversation this morning. But um, the online services and then the way you're doing business is just affording more people that opportunity. Well, thank you, and and, and, you're, and you're right. I mean, I, I you know, you had in a, as a as a as a service member an amazing opportunity to utilize the that program. And yeah, not everybody does. And but and for the rest of the people who don't have that opportunity, you're right. They take on an immense amount of debt to go through this. And that was the other thing that really bothered me. I personally um, left college with a lot of debt. And I didn't pay it off until, you know, late in my 20s. I feel like I'm lucky that mm-hmm. I paid it off that early. And it, uh, and it does. It's, it's a, that's a huge problem. I mean, it's one thing if you're in your 20s, you come out of high school, you take on all this debt, and in your mind, you amortize that debt over an entire career. But what about, you know, uh, a working adult, 30s or 40s, who wants to go back out? You can't amortize or assume that kind of debt. And say, oh, I'm going to pay this off. It, 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 the system up until now had been unworkable. The, t- the scales had tipped in terms of the benefit and the cost of higher education. And the goal was to put those back in balance. Right. And I appreciate that. I really do. Because, you know, colleges are owned by business people. And they're, the one, they're making a lot of money. They really are. Uh, and there's no guarantee when you go get a, unless you're going to go be a doctor, even attorneys. I know attorneys who are out of work right now because they can't find work and they are board certified and they paid all this money. I know an architect who's in his almost 70 now, still got, uh, I, last I talked to him was about two or three years ago, he still had $70,000 in, in student loan debt. And wasn't making enough to pay that off. Now, he's living in Hawaii, so that's his own fault. But <laughs> that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. But, hey, he's living his life. He's living his lifestyle. Um, but he's still paying for that debt, is my point. And, but, right. um, you know, so any time that there's a, an, a way that they can get that education in a meaningful degree that's going to pay off. Now, I get it. Some people want the degree and want the education to just because they want the education. But, my goodness, you can get the education anywhere if you want the degree, you have to go through a certified college that can, you know, actually issue a degree, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, because you're, I mean, yeah, how cool that we live in a world today where you can basically go online and learn anything. I mean, you go to YouTube, you can learn how to do anything. It's amazing. Yeah. Have you ever but, heard of Scott Young? Uh, no. Who is that? So Scott Young got his entire MIT degree on, on, in 12 months on YouTube, a four-year degree, MIT on on youtube he did buy some of the curriculum he bought some of the books he bought the uh, or he got a, access to the schedule the um what do you call it the i forget what they call it specifically but basically the schedule of the classes of the degree that he wanted to get in he did everything he challenged the test he passed the test but he couldn't get the piece of paper 
until he paid the you know hundred and twenty thousand dollars uh i guess or whatever it was but he couldn't get the actual degree but he did pass the test he learned it all in 12 months on youtube <laughs> yeah see there you go it's incredible mm-hmm. right and, and, and it, it's it 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 is just the world that we live in that you know, so much of our marketability and success can be tied to that degree. And the good news is, is that, you know, once you, once you take that into consideration, well, okay, well, at least I'm going to get a a good education and it is going to make me more marketable because it is still one of the main factors that employers use, or it could be like in the case of that architect, a necessity to become an architect, you have to have. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're, but, but again, it's, at, to your to your point with your with your friend, it's not okay that he's got seventy thousand dollars in debt and he's seventy years old. Something's wrong there mm-hmm. in the cost of education. And what what I really tried to do is create a solution that would make college more affordable and accessible for everybody, and just bring that back into balance. Change the dynamic of how people could save in going and approaching college. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, you can argue the point both ways. And I personally can argue the point both ways because I, I see people like my my own brother, for instance, I'll bring this up. He was one of the best um, operators of what's called a dyno. Basically, it's a machine that you put a transmission on from a car and you test it through the, all the gears and everything and, and stress it out and make sure that it was rebuilt properly. Well, my brother never went and got a certification. He never wanted to spend the money. He never wanted to take the time off work to go do it. And he literally was hired by one of the local colleges to come and teach this in the college, in the classroom. But he was getting paid literally half, if not more than half, of or less than half, or however you say it, um, than those that were certified techs. Wow. So there's a big reason to get that piece of paper, whether it's a certification or a diploma. Now, you know, and then it depends on, it. like I said, if you're just wanting to get the information, the information's out there. If you need the piece of paper, then your program is definitely something to go through. So talk a little bit more about your program specifically. I know it's uh, onlinedegree.com, but how did you actually, I'm, I'm interested in how you decided to get that started, and then how does it work for people? Yeah, well, thank you. You know, I I actually didn't know how I would do it at first, to be completely honest. It really just started with the mission statement of making college more affordable, more accessible. And um, I the, the, the moment of genesis came when I was speaking with my wife at the time, and my wife started lamenting how for a stay-at-home mother, it was almost impossible to go get a degree. And she said, well, you know, for one, moms are in charge of the expense side. So, you know, with expenses, you you can never justify the cost of the degree, she said. Then she said, you know, with scheduling, um, with children, I've I've got such an erratic, chaotic schedule with all these responsibilities, I can never drive to go to a classroom. And then she said, and then two, I don't even know where I would start. I don't know what I would do. I don't, you know, and I, so I can't, I don't even know how I would take the first step. And I'm sitting here looking at her saying, that's genius. But because that doesn't just apply to a stay-at-home mother. That applies to every single working adult in America. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I realized there are real financial, physical, and psychological impediments that are stopping that group of adults from taking the first step. And that's what we try to do. So at onlinedegree.com, you can get started in 60 seconds without any applications, entrance exams, and start taking college-level courses uh, 24-7 at your own pace online where you could earn college credit 
towards your degree at universities across the country, and we do it all for free. Wow. Wow. And how, how, how does that work? I mean, how are you able to do that? So when I got started, I knew that it had to be free because, again, there's that, that financial impediment, right? So much – and we all can relate as a working adult – we put things off for years. <laughs> it's, it's just what we do best. And, you know, the reason we do is because if we, if we have, well, in, let's, let's say in the case of education, for one, th- it's scary. Going back to a classroom is scary. We, we, we don't know what it's like to learn online. We don't want to fail. We, we have no idea or concept what it's going to be like to be in the classroom. And then there's the financial component. We are worried that we're going to spend a bunch of money and that we don't have. And then finally, we're worried about um, the uh, just, you know, the general aspect of can I do this with my schedule? Do I have the time management? I'm busy. Mm-hmm. But like, think about this now, instead of having to jump in the pool, you can just wait in the pool. Hey, come in, get started. There's no cost. And you can prove to yourself you've got the time management. You can dispel the myth that you don't have the ability to learn in an online format and be successful. It's, it's, it's this great way to, as a proving ground. So when someone registers, they're able to sign up, take all these courses. And then we go out and organize um, articulations with all these universities around the country that are adult friendly. So they're all online. They're, um, they, uh, they're, they're more affordably priced. And then we also go out and get discounts, tuition discounts for, um, for our students as well. So instead of having to go, you know, try to apply for a bunch of scholarships with no chance of success, most of our schools offer our students 10%, 15%, 20% discounts on tuition instantly coming through us. You don't even have to do anything for it, just because you're a student. So when you put all that stuff together, you can lower the cost of your degree by 35, 40% coming through us and get there faster because you're, you're taking the courses as quickly as you'd like. And so a key component of that was that I knew it had to be free to satisfy, to really get people to come in and try it. Hey, you can do this. So if you're going to make it free and you're going to dispense with the tuition model, people would say you're crazy. But I said, no, it has to be done. So I really, uh, I really spent some time trying to figure out how to do it. And the way that we did it was it's free for the student and it's completely supported by the universities. So we flipped the entire model on its head. And I think that that's one of the big innovations that's allowed us to be so successful because now today, the you know we're having thousands of students register every month. Universities love it. So it's probably obvious the benefit the student gets, but the universities get a real benefit because for the university, they want students who are going to finish their program. They want students who are more prepared when they arrive, and we provide both of those things. So universities love the fact that our students are going through our program, and that's why they're willing to support the program, offer these uh, really awesome um, opportunities and things like that. So it just it works for everybody. Yeah, that is uh, – I'm really loving it. So as far as the curriculum, is there any curriculum that is not supported through, the, through your program? Well, here's what's so cool. So I think people make the – have the misconception that – if I want to go and get a degree in, um, let's say that cybersecurity, that I only need, I should only be taking courses on cybersecurity. Well, the reality is, is that in any college program you take, you're going to have to take general education and elective mm-hmm. courses to get towards your degree. So what we did was we focused on those courses, the introductory courses that should apply for any degree. And that way you can knock out. Now, some of these also might also be related to your actual degree, but 
The fact is, is that they're, they're useful just to help you get there faster. So I'll give you an example. We've got an introduction to robotics course, which is really cool. Introduction to computer science, um, history, um, uh, introduction to marketing, accounting, you know, things that are really interesting and could definitely be part of where you're going in terms of your career degree, but could also count as a genetic requirement for whatever your degree is going to be. Hmm. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Because as we were talking before we started recording here is my oldest son, I, he was a hacker since he was like 11 or 12. And I wanted to make him legal. So I sent him to one of the best colleges in the United States for cybersecurity. And he just lost interest immediately because the first couple of years, all you're doing, doing is all those electives, all those right. requirements for a college degree. He just wanted to go learn cybersecurity and get to work, you know? So it's frustrating for, that's what is really frustrating for a lot of people, myself included. That's what took me so long to finally get through it. Uh, it you know, and finally end up doing, I, I didn't like sitting in a classroom to begin with. I didn't like it in high school. I didn't like it even when I went to college after high school. So Online degree for me now, I will say, not everybody is cut out for online learning. It takes discipline because there's different types of classes, right? There's the ones that are self-paced. You can get everything done in the last week. And then there's others that you have benchmarks every week. You have to have certain things done. I prefer that kind as opposed to the other one because I've done right. both. And I've literally done my algebra class. In fact, the whole, like maybe the last week, I did the entire course in the last week and barely passed that darn thing. But I did. <laughs> <laughs> and moved on. It's true. No, you're totally right. And like in that case with your son, I mean, then not only is it not interesting because you want, you're right, you're going to school because you want to do cybersecurity. So it's not interesting taking all these other courses. But then insult is added to injury that you're paying full tuition for mm. all those courses. And it's like, wow, I'm getting all this debts, taking all this time. I'm not even doing what I want to do yet. And so you're right that what's neat about this is that, and let's say in that hypothetical example, well, you can go online and knock out so much of your gen ed requirements and all these other things and do it at, you know, more quickly um, in a very convenient pathway for you. And you're not accruing debt. You're not paying all these costs. And then arrive with all these units and a discount for the remaining part and do the stuff you really like. Man, that is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. I love it. Yeah, that is really cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm blown you. away, man. Thank you, Wally. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. So everything I thought it was going to be when I when I saw your bio and thought and I looked at the website, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to love this conversation." <laughs> yeah, and others are too. I know I know there's others out there that are feeling what we're talking about a hundred percent. So they're definitely going to be going and, and checking out. And I know I'll say it a couple of times, but onlinedegree.com. Make sure you go check that out. So. Before we get off track here, let me, and that's why I have my notes here. We are at the point where, well, let's do this before we even get into the pay it forward round. What are some good news stories coming out of the work that you've been doing? Have you heard any, anybody reached out to you and, you know, thanked you, you know, just from the t bottom of their heart? Honestly, you know, this is, uh, that is actually the best part of what I'm doing is all of the fan mail and all of the success stories we've been getting. And, you know, this is very weird for me as well, because I've never been in a startup and I've been in startups my whole career where, again, I was doing something that really changed lives right before they were just businesses. And that's great. And that's, and again, that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're doing a business and, you know, um, you're providing a service out there. That's fine. But I've never done something that had such a big impact. And so one of the things I like to do the most is read those stories. I read every bit of, of mail that comes in. 
And I, you get, you know, we've got a lot of these published on our website, but you know, hey, this helped me save $3,000 and I got there a lot faster, or I never would have been able to do this if you guys didn't have your program. It, it, I mean, really touching stuff. And that is the part that keeps me going. Like, all right, yeah, because it, it, it's a lot of validation that what you created was correct, right? Because you're always, you know, you you're, everything you do is faith until it's actually out there. And then the fact that, no, this is, this is nice. This is the part that I was missing in my previous life. Mm, that's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And I would expect that you'd be getting a lot of fan mail uh, from this. So we're at the point where we're going to pay it forward. You ready to do that? All right, let's do it. Excellent. So share with our listeners one to three actionable steps that they can take today. I think the first thing that everybody has to do is follow a maxim 3,000 years old from ancient Greece, which is know thyself. It was written um, at Delphi. It was written, it was inscribed at the Temple of Apollo, which is the Temple of Wisdom. And the logic was, if you don't know yourself, what could you possibly know? And I, I've, I, I, that was a big part of my introspection during my kick in the gut moment. And I would strongly suggest that any entrepreneur or any person has to go through that exercise because one of the things I think that often eludes people, which is counterintuitive, is happiness. Mm. And what's going to make you happy? What's going to make you unhappy? So I think for entrepreneurs, I see this as a common mistake because, you know, entrepreneurs love coming up with business ideas and then they choose the best one based on some set of traditional criteria, the business model, do I have the money to do it? But they rarely ask themselves, is this the right business for me? Mm-hmm. I think that's a critical mistake. You know, like for example, if, if you don't like selling, well then you shouldn't pick a business where you need to be on the phone all day selling. Or <laughs> if, 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 if you don't like managing people, you shouldn't create a business where you have a ton of employees. I mean, these, it seems obvious, but I think people get so caught up in that this is the best financial uh, um, idea, and uh, I, I'll just handle it. No, no, no. Don't do it to yourself. There's yeah. infinite amount of ideas out there. So just once you know thyself, you'll know what's going to make you happy every day. So that'd be so, that. So the- true. So true. So true. I, I can't tell you the amount of business owners that I talk to, and you know, almost I don't know how often it, they just say, I, "I don't like to sell. I'm not a salesperson." But you're a business owner, so. Where's your marketing team and where's your sales team? Um, I don't have one. Well, <laughs> what the hell, dude? <laughs> you know, you, you got you're not getting business without marketing and salespeople. It's just not going to happen. You know, yeah. you might get a little bit here and there just because somebody's going to walk in your door eventually. But come on, you know. So uh, right. it just drives me crazy. You're right. That like it almost would seem insane, right? Yeah, in that, but it happens. That stance, but it happens. Yeah, yeah because I think that people. Can, and, and you know what? I have to say, probably that person is a very gutsy. They got a lot of other really great qualities. They're mm-hmm. probably very oh, gutsy sure. to go do it, and yet they just miss the fact that wait a second, uh, no, I shouldn't just try to power through this for a month. I'm going to be doing this business for years, if not a lifetime. Mm-hmm. I got to, I got to know I'm I'm capable and happy with doing what I'm going to do every day. And to your point with the uh, with the management as well, I've I've also had conversations with business owners, and they're like, I just can't keep good employees. And I will do an analysis and I'll, you know, get an opportunity to talk to some of the employees and even maybe even get an opportunity to see them operate. And they have no people skills whatsoever. It's not the employees. It's the leadership. Yeah. That's right. And nine times out of 10, if not 9.9 times out of 10, that's leadership. It's not bad employees, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> You're right. 
and you know, the other thing I think I'd recommend is that the thing that I, I, I really trumpet over and over again is to stay lean. Mm. And I think that many entrepreneurs coming out um, make the mistake of not keeping their expenses low enough be, um, to, to really sustain themselves in the long haul. Because the reality is, is that and you and I could both talk about this at length, is that businesses take a lot longer than you think to get mm. off the ground. Mm-hmm. And normally what breaks the entrepreneur and where you have to fold up is that your expenses just over consume you. And so if you, one of the things that I always recommend is, man, keep your expenses as low as possible, both on the business and both personally, mm-hmm. to give yourself that runway and the chance to endure and make it take off before you have to close up shop. Absolutely. You know, you've heard the term cash is king. There's no more king than any, anywhere other than the in your business. Cash, You every business closes not because of lack of ideas, not because of bad employees. They close because of lack of cash. That is the biggest thing. That's why Apple is one of the cash most cash-rich businesses that we know of because of the way that they pay their vendors. They pay their vendors on a net um, 91 days. If you working with Apple because they want to keep more cash than, than what's going than what's coming in, and what they're with their vendors, and that's business owners just don't understand that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's where somebody like me comes in and educates them a little bit. You're right, and that's really good advice. And I didn't know that about Apple. Wow, yeah. that is that's gangster. But I guess it that's, is. <laughs> it is, and it's in their agreement. So oh you know, and you think, look at this. You know, I don't want to make this all about a business thing, but a perfect example. Say, for instance, a fence company. Fence company has to buy their supplies, all you know, all, all necessary supplies from a vendor. And some a production whoever makes that particular material that they're going to build the fence out of. So then the the, per, the whoever they're building the fence for the client, they want to get paid right away, but the client doesn't always pay right away. So the the business the fence business has to have an agreement with the vendor that they are going to pay them ninety days down the road, thirty even sixty days down the road for the product that they receive, and they have to have this relationship with them because they're not going to get paid until the job is done, and even sometimes there's a dispute and they have to have that buffer. And this right here is just one reason why so many businesses like that go out of business because they run out of cash. They they don't even have enough cash to do the next job. And it it just it becomes detrimental to the business and the all the employees and everybody else. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. Like, I mean, I've been in situations similar to that in um, where, yeah, all of a sudden you're carrying all of these costs for 60 days plus. And mm-hmm. it, it is, it's crushing. Yeah. Yeah, so you just have to be able to renegotiate those contracts with the vendors. Anyhow, yeah, what rituals make the biggest impact in your life? One, I think, is uh, a good health regimen. You know, the old saying that um, you know, uh, physical health, you know, begets mental health, and I, I think that's very true. I think that a lot of people will neglect their own bodies and health for, you know, again, just like anything in, 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 they may not put it as a priority and in the, your daily routine, but I think that's really important because I think that, again, that's, that's one of my key tenets of happiness. Cause I think ultimately you have to, your, your, your life model should be happiness. And one of those tenets is being healthy. And so one of my routines is I really like to focus on my health, you know, feeling better every day gets you so much more time and enjoyment of every single minute. 
where if you contrast that, if you were sick every day for your entire life, which would be a tragedy, you would, you would derive a lot less happiness from life. Mm. So I think that's one of the big ones. I think the second one is, is that kind of going back to our, our initial topic of family is every day when I come in, I ask myself throughout the day, am I making the best use of my time away from my family? And what that does is because also what an, what entrepreneurs will all know is that being an entrepreneur is a black hole of time commitment. You can spend every single moment in there and and typically people do and it's not always the time that's best spent. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really have to be able to prioritize your time. And I think that when you prioritize it against something that you love doing, it really makes you efficient to disregard and not go down any tangents that aren't directly associated with the growth of the business. It really hones you. I think that's the other exercise I do. Yeah, no, those are wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. What are you reading or listening to that you'd recommend to our abundant leaders and why? I just got done reading um, actually a number of really great books. So I'm um, I'm I'm a libertarian, which is uh, you know some people know what it is, but most people it, it's really just about letting everybody be free to choose their own happiness. You know you don't you don't tr- you try not to be um, one of the maxims of that is you don't want to um, uh, be aggressive to anybody, right? No 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 you don't want to make anybody do anything they don't want to do. And so I love all the philosophy books on that. And so I've been reading um, a few by uh, Murray Rothbard, who's an excellent author. And anything that Murray Rothbard writes is complete gold. He's a genius. Um, and then I also wrote, I also read um, J. Paul Getty's book. Um, and I, and by coincidence, he was also a libertarian, a very interesting guy. Um, and you know, most of his book I thought was just okay. But one of the things that I thought that was the big takeaway from that book was that he, he just, because he was really what, because he understood his craft, which was the oil business, when there was opportunities, when the oil, because the oil business has ebbs and flows and ups and downs, when it was down and people were saying, oh, you know, they're discounting all these assets and they're they're and it, it was definitely at, at the bottom of a market. He was buying because he knew that they would be valuable later on. He was right. He became the richest person in America because of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of that happens in our lives. You know, we right now only hear in the media the things that are hot. But in all, all of our respective worlds, we could be in an industry or opportunity where we know, yeah, nobody wants to touch this with a 10-foot pole right now. But I know these assets are going to come back and be worth value. And he said that is what makes you an incredible amount of wealth. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that can be a, uh, a blessing and a curse. <laughs> because <laughs> some people just don't get it right unfortunately we've heard those stories too but yeah great recommendations thanks for that sure what do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance i think it's the taking the time and the wherewithal to ask them that question about knowing themselves mm-hmm. i truly think it is because i think that and i think that the so i think that's the first part and i think the greatest symptom is that people become consumed by materialism and that materialism creates um, a jail cell around you, and you just cannot ever get free. So, I'll give you an example. You know, I see people on my street where they've got, they always have the fanciest cars. They've always got, you know, whatever they're doing, and they they build their expenses so high around them that even if they wanted to live a free lifestyle, they could never do it. They're, they they probably have, you know, twenty thousand dollars in monthly expenses. That's outrageous. Why? Do they really make you that happy? I mean, if it does, so be it. But I don't think it really does. I think people project the happiness through these purchases. Where I think that if more people 
really went through the exercise to say, what's, you know, know myself, what's really going to make me happy and be radical about it. You know, say, what? no, start from scratch, clean piece of paper. This is the one and only life you're going to get. How would you do it? I think that they would probably craft a very different lifestyle and it would be more about experience and, um, self-exploration and relationships around you more than the material things out there. Yeah, for sure. Great answer. I 100% agree with that. And by knowing yourself, you'd be able to easily answer this last question, which is what does being a man of abundance mean to you? That's right. Yeah. So to me, it we touched on is it's the freedom to spend every day with my family and to explore and do all the things that I want to do on a daily basis. And that is not, that sounds easy, but as we all know, it really isn't. Not, you know, not if you, you know, so much pulls us away from all of these important things. And to me, that is living a life of abundance. Mm, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Well, listen, we are going to have your website, onlinedegree.com, linked up in the show notes. Uh, but before I let you go, what else do we you know, what do we not talk about during our conversation? Do you want to ensure that our abundant leaders get out of our conversation today? And how else can they reach out to you or find out more about you? No, I mean, th- I mean thank you for having me, Wally. This has been, I, uh, I've, I've obviously a big fan of your show and uh, you've got, I'm, I'm flattered to join the esteemed guests. Uh, it's one of the favorite things that pops up on my podcast. And, uh, you know, I think we, we covered a lot and I would just encourage people that, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe if, if, if college is not the right time, then that's okay. But, you know, we've, we've really tried to create something where you can go find out if it is. And if, if it is, you could save a lot of time and money and, you know, make that path and hopefully make your journey a lot easier for you. Um, and, yeah, you know, I love when people connect with me. I'm very active on LinkedIn. And so, you know, if you link, uh, if you do a LinkedIn for Grant Aldrich, I'm probably going to be, the I think, the only one up there. And uh, I would love to hear from people. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that too. I'll have all that linked up in the show notes, your LinkedIn profile. Uh, I'll make sure if we're not already connected that we are connected so that when this goes out, I'll be able to tag you in it and share all the cool stuff that we had that we talked about. So again, thanks so much for what you're doing. Go out, live your life of abundance and keep paying it forward the way you are because it is absolutely making a huge impact. Thank you all. You too. Uh, really, the work you're doing, I think, is making a lot of uh, a lot of people change their lives and question what they're doing. It's awesome. Excellent. I appreciate that, man. All right, guys. Your action step for today is to one decide if higher education is truly for you. Do you need it for your vocation? Is it going to move the needle? Or just figure out why it is that you want higher education. Is it for your vocation? Is it for more income? Or is it just to enlighten yourself and to get a degree in whatever it is that you're passionate about? Whatever the purpose is, if you realize and decide that higher education is for you and it's what you want to pursue, then go check out onlinedegree.com and see how much you can save there. See if that is the plan for you. Chances are this just may be exactly what you've been looking for, especially with so many colleges and universities being closed up right now or doing everything online and they haven't quite figured it out yet. But OnlineDegree.com certainly has it figured out. And that's where I would start my search if I was in a position to where I'm going to get another degree. 
And of course, I want to afford you one more opportunity to be abundant in your actions today by paying it forward and sharing men of abundance with others. Now, go out, live your life of abundance, and be sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.